Korakup. Today is the 3rd of October, 2022. And there's just one week left, seven days, until the Mahapawarana Day, the Great Invitation Day, the end of the range retreat. And on the 5th, 6th, and 7th day uh, of this month, there's the Naktam tree, the first level uh, Buddhist ex exams for Thailand for the new monks. And on these three days, each day, the monks will uh, be tested on a different subject, be tested on the Dhamma, then the story of the Buddha, and then the Vinaya, the monastic rules. So to study the Vinaya and the story of the Buddha, something that can be understood easily, but the testing on the Dhamma, and these Dhamma principles and Dhamma uh, points, this is uh, something that's tested on the second day. And there's one one question that's often asked about mindfulness, sati, which is recollection, sampajanya, clear awareness, that these are two dhammas which are very beneficial and useful. And the question often asked is, what is, what are the dhammas that are beneficial and useful? And the answer is mindfulness this quality of recollection and sampajanya, clear awareness. So we practice to have a lot of mindfulness in the present moment, to take care with our speech, to speak little, to sleep little, to awake with effort, to have mindfulness firm in the mind, to reduce the proliferation in the mind. We practice in this way. And if we've practiced meditation in the past, then in the beginning, peace of mind, samadhi, can come quickly. If perhaps we've realized upajara samadhi in the past, or neighborhood concentration. But then perhaps we go through a period of not training the mind, where all these moods and sense impressions, these hindrances cover over the mind every single day. And this can go on for many days, many months, many years. The mind is chaotic and agitated, not peaceful. But then we see the drawbacks of this agitation and chaos, and we start to practice again. In the beginning, it may be difficult. It's something that takes time. After 40 or 45 minutes, we start to feel peaceful. Then later, as we, come, we become more skilled, then after just five minutes, we start to be peaceful. We start to have understanding arise. We see our mindfulness become continuous. We start to gain uh, or have these experiences, for instance, of the hands disappearing, the feet disappearing, the body feeling light, and perhaps half the body feels light. 
we have more continuous mindfulness, then the body can feel light all over. And the body is the same weight as it was before. So why does it feel light? Well, it's when we don't have peace and samadhi in the mind, we have this feeling of having a self, of a me and mine. So we have the sense of self and feel that it's my weight, my body. And at that time, the mind is clinging to materiality and mentality. But then when mindfulness and samadhi are firm, then the mind and body feel light. It can even feel like we don't have a body at all. The mind or the body can feel like a tuft of cotton. And then when the mind is firm like this, it's like we're sitting in the air, like we don't have a body at all. The mind is empty of clinging by virtue of the samadhi that's uh, suppressing the clinging. So this is having samadhi to a certain degree. And this can go on for a long time, it's as possible. So if we train well, then this samadhi can last all day long. But in the beginning, the samadhi perhaps just goes for 30 minutes. When we exit samadhi, then the mind and body feel light. The mind receives sense impressions, and we get a sense of self arising too, me and mine, you and yours. The mind exits samadhi, we have clinging just as before. And when we have samadhi in the mind, then we contemplate the body to see it as composed of natural elements, or to see it as something not attractive. You see the body is composed of these natural elements that degrade, and we see it as empty. When we see this, then the mind feels relieved and released. This is able to destroy the wrong views in the mind gradually. Path qualities of sila, samadhi, panya gather together. We see clearly, we see the Dhamma. We see the Dhamma just like this. The mind in samadhi gradually sees in, in just this way. We have peace in samadhi while sitting, and while walking we can have peace in samadhi as well. We can have peace in samadhi to the same level while walking as it is when sitting. Then when we go to sit again, the mind becomes even more firm in samadhi than before. And then our meditation practice becomes easier. The mind gathers together, the mind feels very cool. There's this feeling of coolness in the mind, like cool water. This is the mind having samadhi. And our body and mind can feel light all day long. And then sometimes the mindfulness, sometimes the mindfulness and samadhi uh, decrease. For instance, when we wake up first thing in the morning, but then we immediately bring the mind back to establishing in mindfulness to bring the mind to peace and collectedness. And this becomes easier.
and we contemplate and teach the mind to abandon the sense of self easily. And this happens right here in this very mind. Agitation and chaos happen right here in the mind. Peace and collectedness happen right here in the mind. Seeing the Dhamma happens right here in the mind. And this delusion is here in the mind as well. Proliferating, following after sense impressions, proliferating after liking, proliferating after disliking, after hate, or fear, love, attraction, and so on. This is all agitation of mind. It's all a troubled mind. So we have to train in samadhi. Once the mind's in samadhi, the mind and body feel light, have this feeling of fullness and happiness. Then we can see the Dhamma and see that it's all not a me, not a mine, not a self. Because having been born into the world, we all age, we all sicken, we all die all the same. There's no self there to be found. And seeing this, wisdom arises. For instance, walking meditation in a place that would normally be very scary, we don't have fear. We don't have fear arise. But if there's no wisdom, then there is fear. The mind gets lost and deluded easily. So therefore we have faith. So we set our hearts on this practice. We have effort to have continuous mindfulness, to have clear awareness. And these are two qualities that are greatly beneficial to our minds. So we meditate, we practice, and in our Dhamma practice is just this much. There's not a lot to it. We have virtue, collectedness, and wisdom, and all the 84,000 teachings of the Lord Buddha gather together at seeing all materiality and mentality, everything that the mind clings to as self, we see that the Buddha taught that all materiality and mentality are impermanent, stressful, and not self. This is something that's direct and revealed. But our minds don't know this. So why is that? It's because the mind is lost and deluded. So we fight with these things that cover over the mind, which is ignorance which is attachment, craving, and ignorance. So we walk this path. It's like there's two people walking the path. We have sila, samadhi, and panya, these path qualities. And when the energy and the strength of these qualities is greater, then they're able to win over the attachment in the mind. So this is if the samadhi and the mindfulness and sampajanya are firm and well-established. The hindrances exit the mind and we're able to give rise to samadhi. We may not be at the point of stillness, but it's close to stillness, which we call upajara samadhi. This upajara samadhi is in the neighborhood of stillness, 
it's close to samadhi. We can compare it to a house as if the house was, was jhana. Or we can compare it to the to the outer area of the Oposata Hall here, to the uh, balcony or railway of the Oposata Hall, it's re- which is close to the inside of the hall. It's not yet inside, but it's close to being inside the hall. So the mind has samadhi, the body and mind feel light, and the mind is close to stillness. So may you practice like this evenly and continuously. And one day, samadhi arises. Applied thought, sustained thought, rapture, bliss in one-pointedness arise. So may you do this evenly all the time. And in the beginning, we may feel some lightness. We feel lightness while walking, lightness while sitting. Body and mind feel light. So this means that we've cultivated a lot of parmi, a lot of spiritual virtues in the past already. This is something that's not easy to come by. And when the mind is peaceful and collected well, then studying the Dhamma is not difficult. We see that it's easy to do. Seeing the Dhamma, we're close to seeing the Dhamma. We walk meditation and we sit. We're close to one-pointedness. The mind can become still. And when we read the text, we read about applied thought, sustained thought, rapture, bliss and one-pointedness, and we think that we know about them. But when samadhi arises in the mind, then we don't know what it is. We don't know what's going on. We want to think, but we can't think. Before we went to sit meditation, we wanted to stop thinking. When we're sitting there, we're not able to think at all, even if we try to think. Then doubts can arise at this point. There's no thoughts arising. The mind is still. This is samadhi. We've studied about it before in the books, but then we see through experience that samadhi is like this. It's something very good. When the mind exits that samadhi, then the mind has strength and power. The mind has the power and strength of samadhi, the awakening factor of samadhi, to give rise to the awakening factor of wisdom. So it's like this. The mind goes to one point, and the mind's able to contemplate to bring the mind to emptiness. The mind contemplates the body to see the natural elements as they are, to see the Dhamma. In the beginning, we feel confident, and then seeing for ourselves like this, we gain even more confidence to the point of Gotrabhu Jitta and Gotrabhu Jnana the change of lineage mind and the change of lineage knowledge, then our doubts are dispelled. The mind gathers together and sees clearly, knows and sees the Dhamma. Seeing the Dhamma in the beginning, it's not 
very uh, concentrated. In the beginning we see the Dhamma not very much or not a lot, but it's enough to change our views, to see everything as convention, to see emptiness, to see that this body is just a convention. So at this point we change our views, that all the things in the world, we see that they're all impermanent suffering and not self. They're all just a convention that all that's me and mine, you and yours. It's only a thing of convention. And seeing this, the mind realizes liberation. And seeing like this, then we have effort in our sitting and walking meditation and our practice of developing the mind to make this understanding deeper, to give rise to more wisdom. So may you set your hearts on this. May you practice continuously and evenly, then in no long time you can know and see the Dhamma, to teach the Dhamma, and that the disciple can come ask about meditation practice. And also the teacher cares for the livelihood of the disciple with regard to the four requisites of shelter, clothing, food, and medicine. This is the duty of the teacher. The duty of the disciple is to practice according to the vinaya, the monastic rules, to undertake the training in the vinaya, to practice with one's meditation object, and to do this strictly. Both Lumpu Man and Lumpu Cha were strict with their vinaya, with their monastic rules and regulations in vinaya. There was one occasion where Lumpu Cha, Venerable Ajahn Cha, was sitting underneath a tree, and a monk was coming to uh, coming close to him, and this monk was planning to take off his shoes at about seven meters away from Lumpucha. And he just thought, oh, I'll just go one more step closer and then I'll take off my shoes. But then Lumpucha pointed right to his feet and said, take your shoes off right now. So the meaning of this was it had to be right at seven meters to take off his shoes. There was another occasion where a monk had malaria and the duty of a teacher is to care for disciples when they're sick and vice versa. And at that time, Wat Nongpapong had enough of the four requisites, but didn't have special items. And so this disciple overcame his malaria fever, and Nongpucha asked him, what would you like to eat? And the disciple said, uh, yum." which is a type of soup, or a chicken leg soup. And then Lumpucha said, oh, we don't have that, where would we get it? Nowadays, Swat Nongpapong is more developed and would have such things. But on this occasion, there was a another teacher coming to visit from a, a branch monastery, and he brought those uh, types of food that the disciple wanted. 
And so Lumpucha was able to give the disciple uh, that food that he wanted. So we see that Lumpucha cared for the Vinaya strictly. And there was, uh, at those times, then most monks would walk from one place to another. Uh, sometimes they would ride in a car if, if they had some duties to attend to, to go to a branch monastery, for instance. And sometimes the, the monks would walk in order to save money on gas. Sometimes the price of gas would go up. And so this is caring for the Vinaya. So may you all have patient endurance and set your hearts on this practice and undertake this training in the Vinaya with regard to all things. And, and with regard to all things, one needs to have mindfulness and to firmly establish samadhi. So may you all set your hearts on this. <laughs>